Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. Every single week, I get to interview somebody amazing. Maybe six months ago or so, I interviewed Prescott Shadow, Natto, uh, what should we call him, uh, colloquially here. So Prescott is a public information officer out there on the East Coast. He has a lot of really great information. The way he does things, we call that disaster tough. He has really addressed all things PIO for us in the past. This week on the Disaster Tough podcast, we're going to be really honing in on working with the media, those press briefs that go out, actually talking about more of the how-to to do it, working through that, whether it's pre-recorded, whether it's live, how to deal with you know what I would call or what we've uh, called off-screen the pouncing effect. You know, how do you be first and right, all that other stuff and, and dealing with the media. And so without any further ado, I'm going to bring on this expert here, Prescott Shadownato. How you doing, man? It's good to see you. John, again. good to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you because not only are you trained in communications, you, you really have uh, done a great job on making sure you're doing it right. And as we're helping emergency managers across the country and really globally in terms of the, the audience size, you know, the, we want to build on our capabilities across the field. And so this is a, a, such a great way where we have identified deficiencies uh, really around, you know, in, in any aspect of really emergency services that we need to get much better at. So thanks again for coming back on and, and talking to us about this stuff. John, it's my pleasure, and I got—I have to confess that that same issue that you just described about the communications deficiencies across the board is exactly why I became a PIO, and mm -hmm. why like it's not as if I took this magic, uh, you know, pill that suddenly made me uh, decent at anything PIO. Mm -hmm. It was trial error, and as you can imagine, there were mistakes along the way. Yeah, and so that's kind of what we're hoping to do here: is helping other people not have to do those trial and errors by learning from people like you who have done the hard work, and so kind of hit the ground running if they have to do that you know there's so many emergency managers out there and really emergency services partners across the board who are given multiple hats sometimes they have a pio for their department sometimes hey you're the emergency manager you're also managing all of our social media accounts which we're going to talk about in another episode all these other things but one of the things that i've noticed is the quality of press briefs can dramatically enhance or or impact in a negative way uh, your relationship with media partners because it can be very clear, it can be very confusing, and they will address those issues, right? So just talking about like that scope of work here, um, I want to talk to you about the differences and maybe you can give us kind of a, a rundown. When we say press brief, what are we talking about? And I know there's different forms of that. So when I say press brief to you as a PIO, what do you hear? What is the, what do you articulate that as? Uh, all right, so a press brief for me is going to be uh, a, you know a written document, you know online, send it out to our media partners. Um, it's going to be brief, succinct, just enough information in the right format that uh, that gets our media partners on board, uh, not just understanding what happened, uh, but hooking them in early so they want to read more, they want to then engage further, whether it be using that to you know um, call me or my boss to find further information 
or as often happens, they just mm -hmm. take that press brief, that media brief, and they turn it into a news article on their online websites, their social media, um, anything like that. It, the, the magic word there you said was hook. I tell students at St. Louis University that, you know, your job as a PIO to, is to sell. You're trying to get people to do something with the information you're providing, i.e. the intelligence. And that a brief, you know, I've seen ones where it's long form, i.e. paragraph form, and it will be page after page after page. And I'm, I, I start to wonder who is actually reading that and are you are you confused therefore you're trying to explain it through paragraph after paragraph after paragraph and so what is the right balance when you say brief and succinct are you talking about bullet point are you talking about long form what is the kind of a standard uh length that you would say is an appropriate length for a brief because you again it's a hook so yeah what is that for you so for me, uh, I average uh, you know one or two paragraphs, um, really depending on the scope of the incident. If we're at a four alarm structure fire with people, you know, injured or trapped, it's going to be a little bit longer because there's more detail that needs to come out that the media is mm -hmm. going to want to access. Um, if it's a you know you know a, an off road rescue that was resolved fairly reasonable amount of time frame, uh, you know, one, maybe two paragraphs um, is all we're dealing with. And the trick there is um, once you have the hook and, and I'll dive a little into some detail about what I mean by that hook. So the very first thing with a hook is the title. I never hmm. used to title my press releases, my media briefs. Interesting. And, and what I realized is that was just what a, what a missed opportunity. So in the realms of things not to do, uh, don't, leave that out. You want that hook in there and you want it to sound, um, I'm going to use the word newsy. Um, hope you can, you know, you know understand what that means. Clickbait. <laughs> but, you know, exactly. Like, you, you know, if you said four alarm structure fire, okay, that's great. There was a fire and it went to four alarms. That's a little jargony, maybe lose the four alarm piece there, but you know, uh, you know, multiple injuries at warehouse fire in Williston. You know, something mm. where, you know, anything that, that that can draw them in and make it sound newsy as far as like, wow, if this was in a news article, because guess what? Often the media doesn't have a ton of time to process your multiple page media brief, turn it into something usable and then get it out to their constituents, which are your constituents. So if you can literally present it to them in a fashion that with little tweaking they can get it out on their um, social media, on their websites, and in many cases um, on the uh, 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 media. Real quick, we're gonna pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Instinct Ready Kits are awesome, compact, fully loaded, and easy to place around your office, school, campus, warehouse, wherever. I keep a quick pack in my vehicle and one at home. Imagine Instinct Ready fully loaded Stop the Bleed Kits in every school and office. Get Instinct Ready Kits and training at InstinctReady.com. Okay, let's jump back in.
it's one way to control your message, right? Because if you've given them a really great hook through a title, then they might want to use that hook. And so instead of saying like firefighters scramble to do something that they have little training in, you know, you can say firefighters respond to a mass casualty incident, you know, whatever it may be, you know, uh, you want to control that narrative as much as possible, right? I mean, you don't want them to start guessing what four alarm means, oh. right? They have no idea what four alarm means, by the way, right? Like they're trying to like, trying to make sense of our industry jargon, which does bring up the question of, and we didn't really talk about this offline is, I, I have been addressing on the podcast the fact that we use a vernacular so often in our field that doesn't even match the dictionary definition of those words. And so we need to clean that up. Do you Have you found instances in your career where you were saying something that you thought they, they would, that would be common knowledge, but wasn't, and you've had to explain that? Has, has there been any circumstances where we can say, oh, let's not, like the, almost like the do's and don'ts of creating a press brief? Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I think the major don't you've just hit on, which is the word jargon. If it's something um, that even at the very core of our being, you know, we 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 have engines, ladders, rescues is a big one. I learned the hard way that a rescue on the East Coast, even just Vermont versus New York City, for example, is a way different rescue could mean heavy rescue could mean ambulance. I had people call me out on social media about that, basically saying, you know, use better wording, choose wisely, young Padawan kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality of it is, uh, you know, I learned a lot of hard lessons by using jargon, thinking that I was being maybe cool or hip or whatever. And, and, you know, one of the major learning lessons was talking to the media partners and having them off script, offline, ask those questions and say, okay, what do you mean here? Um, you know, either before I go live with them or during a pre, uh, pre-recorded interview, you know, okay, you said this, what did you mean by that? Um, and having to sit there and explain and say, man, I assumed poorly assumed that that was common knowledge, what those terms were. So, mm. Here's a, here's a fun one. Uh, one of my first uh, like sit reps I sent out for a team I was on years ago, we had a team lead and I wrote out this, I was, I wrote out a very long form explaining my reasoning of the cascading events that were going to happen. If we do X, Y, and Z, what was going to happen? I was making justifications of why we need to spend a lot of money very quickly in areas that they weren't anticipating because of problems that I could foresee through analytics. But I recognized there was, it was long form, right? I, I, sometimes you have to do the long form. When I say long form, I'm talking about really diving into the weeds of all the information because it can go to like Congress, right? So there, there's some of that, but that's not, that's really outside of press briefs. But in, in any case, what I did in the email, when I sent out all the stuff at the very top, I wrote a vernacular that was very my generation of tldr too long didn't read and so one sentence i i kind of like bluff i should have just used bluff uh uh bottom line up front it's a military term a lot of people understand that one in our field but instead of saying bluff i said tldr and my team lead was so confused by that the next morning he came up to me and he was like what does dl or dr mean he's like disaster are you talking about the disaster declaration 
what are you trying to explain? And I said, oh, TLDR, you know, too long didn't ring. He's like, oh, I thought you were addressing me only and calling me out on something. And so, again, trying to be cool or hip or whatever, I also just confused them. However, I think at one point we need to say, hey, we're communicating with the public and the public does have, you know, sounding cool and hip can help get a message out if that's what you're trying to, if that's who your, your audience is of trying to help them. So it's a, it's a really good call out there of like knowing the audience, making sure you're speaking the right language, that kind of stuff in terms of please just super quick on that. Um, and this is, it's, it's complimenting the point, but also, so one of the things that I do with a lot of my press briefs, uh, my main audience is of course the press. It's a press brief. I want to get it out to them so they can get it to the constituents. But all of my press briefs go on social media as well. Mm. And my social media audience is arguably different than the press. Um, So tail end of a lot of my press briefs, I will include uh, maybe not jargon so much, but I definitely include, for example, the apparatus and number of people that responded. Right. Mm. The media doesn't always care about that. Um, but a lot of our constituents who follow us on social media actually are interested to know, you know, what was your staffing profile? What apparatus did you respond with? Um, occasionally the media has thrown that in like, Hey, wow, you know, they, they had three people for this incident that, that doesn't seem like a lot. Um, Mm. so I do walk that line of really the important information, you know, bluff the important information up front, um, but also ensuring that because I know it's going on social media, um, I do throw a few lines in there for for those viewers as well. Perfect. And so you're covering your bases there. Walk us through um, getting in front of the media. So you've kind of you got this hook. You have the press brief. There's a big difference between a pre-recorded event and a live event. How do you address both of those things? What is your you know what is your relationship there with those types of events? And we can talk about in a second, maybe the relationship with your media partners, because that has been vilified so much about, you know, the, the different ends of the spectrum. But for the, for the sake of pre-recorded versus live, uh, what as as emergency managers who may get in front of the media, what do they need to learn from you? So I'll start with pre-recorded because arguably there is a little bit less stress there versus the you know the big live event kind of deal mm-hmm. um pre-recorded is easier than live because you have that discretionary time and the most important thing to remember the number one thing to remember with pre-recorded interviews is there are always second takes and and you should mm-hmm. use them i can't tell you the number of times where i just shot my shot and said oh well i hope that sounded good <laughs> knowing full well that if i'm asking myself well i hope that sounded good it probably didn't mm, uh i am now to the point where almost every single time i'm interviewed by the media um i ask for it at some point i ask hey can i can i try that again or do you mind if i try that again um, because at the end of the day when i have started to do that uh, the second take is generally speaking much better and ends up as exactly what I wanted to say versus just piecemealing it out. How do you, so if, so this is the question I think a lot of people are going to ask, right? Because that media relationship can seem fragile at times. Do you think, because now you're a pro at asking that, do you think they are okay with you asking that? Have you had a, a experience where you've been, you know, not experience, but how did you get the enough gumption or courage or or whatever to say hey can i do this a second time and trust that they'll play the second take how do you how do you judge that 
that situation? So initially, it was um, me being a, a little bit humble about being able to say, oof, I'm really nervous, you guys. I don't, I, this is like my third, fourth, fifth, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just really nervous. And having them open up and say, yeah, that, that's totally understandable. Um, and they would say to me, almost every single time they would say something along the lines of, Hey, you can, you can always do it again. If you, you know, if you didn't like it, Hmm. um, the other secret squirrel piece that in developing those relationships, I have media partners that I consider friends and we, you know, we text back and forth. They reach out to me. I reach out to them. One of the things now that I've developed that level of relationship is the admonition that they want the best take as well and Mm. they're never going to say that to you they they you are kind enough to stand in front of their camera and give them any soundbite they're going to take whatever they can get but in the back of their head there are times where they probably want to say like "Ooh, any chance you want to do that again but they never (laughs) will because it's you know it's rude it's you know that so so more often than not the fear definitely shouldn't be oh are they going to use take one take two um if you have expressed man i really can i do this just one more time Hmm. they they're producing um editing and producing it uh within that same day often within the same few hours so they're going to remember the conversation they're going to remember that desire to to and and ultimately speaking john here's the best part that i've heard from so many media partners we want to make you look good it's our job to make you look good and and just even hearing that i mean i I, i'm not a vain human being i don't need them to you know get my fluffy side of my hair here what they're talking about is they, you know, if if they go through and are editing, and this has happened to me a few times where I've, you know, interviewed for a few solid minutes and what comes out on camera is about two and a half seconds. I know that they are doing me a favor. I know that they went through and said, mm. you know, it's, it, we'll use some of his words scripted in our way more on the print brief. So uh, on the national stage, there's definitely going to be audience members who are listening to this. And be like, man, that doesn't feel true. Like they try to make people look bad. Like you'll go on these major websites. I always find it hilarious where the like the article, uh, the, the article headline will be the clickbait headline. Right. But the picture they choose is like the, the individual like sneezing or like, you know, like they'll choose like the worst possible photo. And I always feel like it's some intern thinking it's hilarious to do that. Therefore I feel like it's hilarious, but they're also doing the clickbait. And so again, like because you have your PIO, your profession is them, right? Building those relations as a PIO. uh, How do you start building those, uh, you know, getting those relationships, especially when, Sometimes it doesn't feel like, you know, uh, I'm talking a while here, but there are so many people in emergency services who are like, oh, I can never talk to the media because they're going to try to make me look bad. Yes. But I have found, you know, I'm a podcaster. And so mine's, my scope is a little different here. I don't consider myself media because it's pre-recorded and educational. At the same time, anytime I've inter- interviewed people who are in the media or work with the media, they're like, hey, we have these relationships. If I help them, they want to help me. Therefore, there's this like mutual respect and relationship that gets built. How do you develop that? Why should emergency services not be afraid to talk to the media? Um, I think the the first and foremost thing is there is there is a little and, and you know I hope I don't get any naysayers to this, but there is there are there is a difference between local media 
and national media. I'm just going to mm. come right out and say it. Um, and those words were actually spoken by some of our local media conglomerates who, who tend to agree that there is a difference. That said, it doesn't mean we should shy away from that. We've I've only had one instance in my career in which we have had an incident so large that it actually garnered national media attention. Was And I was interviewed by national and local media outlets. Here's mm. the trick. Developing those relationships starts local, but when those national media conglomerates came into the picture, I treated them them with um, respect as well. I obviously heeded my local partners first and foremost because they uh, are that developed relationship for years, and they are going to be with me for years in the future, um, but that doesn't mean I can't speak to and engage the national media partners with that with a solid amount of respect and honestly at the end of the day we are both human beings and so if you oh. greet them you shake their hand you say hey listen you know this is my first time on a national media outlet i'm, I'm excited to be a part of this um i'm going to give you you know everything that you need to the best of my ability um automatically they're going to be taken aback sort of you know i'm i'm used to just getting my sound button being done it's like let's talk Let's have that mm. few minutes of conversation before we get on and and maybe after we get on, or excuse me, after we get off the the live stream or even the pre-recorded bit to let you know that I'm human too. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think it's, uh, you know, like I said, anytime I've interacted with the media, to remember they're not there just to do their job. Like they're, they're humans too, right? And so anytime you have an opportunity to sell, right? This is coming back to that, like, is is good and and that does mean building relationships with people the best salespeople in the world are not the uh and and, and hopefully this is not disrespectful not like used car salesman uh you know approach where it's like push 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 get in get out but it's relationship building long term having mutual respect people treating people with dignity recognizing they're trying to do their job at the same time never giving uh you know uh, swaying on where you stand on the issue and be able to push, push. So, uh, really great call outs there. When you do get out and you have to talk to the media, do you have, can you provide some tips of like, make sure you do X, Y, and Z in your preparation, uh, of that and really how to do that appropriately? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll hit real quick on the pre-recorded and jump into live because argument sure. live is the more intense one and it scares mm-hmm. people the most to the point where most people actually refuse to do live, um, which is fine if you are out there and, and don't appreciate that. There are other people that they will find to do that, but I want to arm you with some information that might help you um, next time they ask you to engage in that because it actually is a lot of fun um, and can the more you do it at the end of the day, the more you do any of it pre-recorded or live the more comfortable you will feel. Uh, And then your name and your message, your department's name, your department's message will be out there that much more. That's why we PIOs exist, is to get to the the right information to the right people at the right time. So what I'll say is, um, I I, I did this one just for you here. So uh, before any pre-recorded message, um, or live for that matter, both of these tips are applicable. Make sure you uh, give yourself enough time. If, if the media is on a time crunch and you only have, for example, 30 minutes until they show up at your door, that's okay. 30 is more mm. than, you know, 10. Um, but if you can give yourself about an hour, just, I, you know, if, if you can push them out a little bit, that gives you time to prepare mentally. And arguably the most important bit of preparation is write three bullet points down. 
take three mm. bullet points on the topic they're looking don't go over don't go under three is a you know for me i found that it's perfect because if it's a pre-recorded piece they want that they might only um uh you know later that night on the newscast they might only put one of my three but i've mm. got three messages out there and the first one i put out there is typically the one i hope they will use if they mm. do choose to only use one right so for today uh this is what i put out there today uh from my little <laughs> and there we go so a compliment john's hair thank you yeah, yeah. yeah those are those are my notes those are my notes to make sure that for I those who are audio only wait can you pull it up on the screen i'll oh, register it oh yeah there. yeah for sure uh don't say anything silly i like silly things so you're okay say smart things compliment john's hair yeah with the with no end there that's great um yeah <laughs> so make sure you put your three bullet points down there i have been known to of course do some sub bullet points as well if i you know if they mm. want to embellish a little bit um, but at the end of the day whether it's pre-recorded or live when the camera starts even if you're a seasoned pio you're still going to be nervous those nerves are still going to hit and if you have three things in your head um e even myself who is super scatterbrained most of the time one or all three of those, frankly, will come to bear. So three bullet points. First bullet points, the, the thing that's most important. Do you usually start with compassion, need to know, or need to do? What do you usually start off with when you're talking about like something that's happened? Is it more informational for you, or are you, are you communicating to the public like, you know, these houses burned down, therefore, you know, condolences out to the families this is what we did like how, how do you approach that compassion versus data i.e logical stuff yeah so live briefings are always need to know um and and i end i never ever forget the compassion piece and that is such john i'm actually really happy you mentioned that because the need to know is, is why a lot of people are tuning in they want that instant you know same same exact thing with the hook and having the inverted triangle for your press beefs mm -hmm. making sure you put the information they need right away but ending uh, with that compassion piece again it goes back to them recognizing that you're a human being and for mm -hmm. anyone who is stuck with the message to that point they might it might resonate more if you add and include that compassion piece uh, yeah, so yeah you talk about the inverted triangle can you explain that a bit more yeah. So I mean, in essence, what that is, and it, it sounds a little strange because I, I think many of us think of the, the peak of the uh, of a triangle of a pyramid as being, uh, you know, the pinnacle of it very top. But in this case, if you invert it, what they're basically the, the idea for that in a press brief is put the, the you know, bulk of that information, what you need um, right at uh, first paramount. Right. So mm. that hook, that title and then the who, uh, the who, what, where, when, why. Um, really comes immediately after that hook. You want to give them that, you know, it, like I said, maybe a two paragraph press brief, nail it with that first paragraph, all the information they need in that first paragraph. The second one is where you can dive a little bit more into some detail. Um, here's what I want to stress though. Although the inverted triangle, everything, you know, you want to get the important who, what, where, why, what out there first, um, that second paragraph shouldn't be understated because what I do in my second paragraph or the you know tail end of the first, whatever I have room and time for, um, is I put the message out there that I want to get across. So the important piece is, you know, there was a train derailment or there was a structure fire or there was an off-road rescue. Um, here's some basic and important details related to that. 
Boom. The next thing is the people on the off-road rescue were dressed appropriately. They had a charged cell phone. They had a space blanket. Hey, the people at the structure fire evacuated as soon as the smoke alarm sounded. They had working smoke detectors. They had tested them a week before. You know, draw that public safety, um, community risk reduction message in that second paragraph. Fantastic. And I love that uh, that approach of like, hey, all these things help them in this incident and, and always draw, drawing it back to, uh, you know, readiness there. Um, rounding out this conversation, we've already been talking about, you know, writing up your brief. We talked about re- pre-recorded. We want to talk about live here in a second. We haven't really talked about live. Um, but you're really talking about organizing this experience to make sure that the narrative is the information, compassion, getting people to do something based off of that. When you get in there and you've already built all these relationships, you've already done the stuff. Now you're in this live experience. Why should you said it was, it could be fun. Why should emergency managers, responders, people across the board want to get out in front of a a live and why shouldn't they be afraid? I think it's also really fun by the way, but um, what is your pitch? And I'll give my pitch after, after you give your pitch. I am actually really excited for the, <clears throat> for this, but uh, for me and for hopefully a lot of other people, the reason it can be fun, fun is as soon as you get over the public speaking piece, as soon as you're able to reconcile the fact that that is, um, it can be scary at first, but the more you do it, the, the more comfortable you will be. You recognize the power that the media has. We see it every single day, print media, social media, uh, on the you know television everywhere, right? Um, the power that they have, we can harness that power for good. Uh, and, and realistically, as a PIO, that is our job. So the more comfort we can get, the more engaged we can have with our media partners, that's where it becomes fun when we begin knowing, you know, I can call a lot of our media partners by name. I have their cell phone to be able to reach out and say, hey, we have this story. Are you interested in doing it? Um, mm-hmm. That's where the conversation like you and I are having right now in a in a you know relaxed manner can happen with our media partners versus Oh my goodness, I don't, I, I, you know, the media is coming in 20 minutes. I'm so nervous. I don't know what to say. Those feelings, I promise you, will subside over time. Yeah, I agree. The, the feelings go away once you've done it a couple of times. It's like trying anything new. Um, it feels like there's a lot of pressure because you're like, oh my gosh, like it's going to. My thing is, in seven seconds, everyone's going to forget it. <laughs> and so. Oh, unless you're talking about a drought and how everybody needs to conserve water. And at the same time, you're drinking like a water, like there's that, there's always like the fun breeze where like that, that kind of stuff happens. Or in, there was a mayor, I believe in Toronto who got mad at the media said, we're ending it no matter what, no more questions. And somebody immediately asked the question. He turns around and starts answering more questions. <laughs> it's super funny. Like those moments do happen, but those moments are rare. And they get played a lot, so it makes it feel like it happens all the time. But really, more often than not, you immediately were able to positively impact the disaster in such a real way by getting that that power of the media. You are just able, especially when it's live, you're able to tell so many people what you actually want to tell them. There's no more what trickle-down economics here. You immediately went from A to Z, lightning fast. And one of the problems that we have in our field is just getting people to do the things that we want them to do. Now we don't have to go through 50 steps to do that. You immediately got to say, hey, please evacuate. I'm a professional in this. This is stuff is dangerous. Please leave. 
And then the me the not even the media, but the the constituents, the people are hearing that they're like, oh hey, that fire chief just said that, that PIO just said that, that emergency manager just said that. Uh, you know, it it has a lot more weight to it when they get to see the responder. And then again, it's a, a pretty good pitch that professionals are in charge of this, not you know the reporter. The reporter is just relaying the information. So I think anytime people can get out in front of live media, they should. Three bullet points, excellent advice there. Knowing what you want to say, sticking to only that. That level of compassion, also very important. Uh, my experience is mostly type one events. And so, you know, the active shooter, the the bomb threat, the type one, you know, the, the category, you know, four or five hurricane, all that stuff when there's like a lot of people impacted. And so my experience is everybody wants to know it, but again, full circle here seven seconds immediately after that's one they're going to the next person and they're interviewing some politician and so now i don't matter at all anyways so might as well you know just get up in front of there give that chance uh speaking of that not the the pio isn't the only person getting in front of the media the pio is also typically in charge like if you're representing an organization it could be the ceo it could be the director it could be you know the political appointee whoever as somebody who has worked with the media so much, what would be your your advice to help the, I would say like that research and development phase, getting the right information fastest to the right people so that when they go out the media, you're not like, uh, you know, you're, you're like, oh, fantastic. They said what we wanted them to say. How do you, how do you work within that realm? Could you give some advice there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in, in yeah, helping sure. <laughs> just a little bit, uh, yeah. I think the, the, the thing that I would say is, and, and I would repeat this to anyone, whether it be, you know, I'm fortunate. My fire chief is very well-spoken. I don't ever worry when he gets up in front of the camera, same thing, you know, our town manager, but the reality of it is there's folks that, you know, if we were at a type one incident right now, there'd be a lot of folks who might be appearing for their first time or not mm. a ton of time behind the camera. Um, be brief, be brilliant, and be gone. Ooh, uh, I like that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not mine. I, I wish I could give credit to someone in particular, but during my um, FEMA PIO classes, that was the moniker, and it was be brief, be brilliant, and be gone. And that is what I would tell you know anyone who mm -hmm. came to me either for advice or, frankly, I would even give it unsolicited before they got up in front of the camera. Um, because arming them, it, my job is the PIO to give them those three bullet points and say, you know, hit on these three things. And then, John, I'll go back to what you said earlier in the conversation. Hit on these three things, but end with this one. And this one is the compassion piece because, you know, the this, you know, seven, eight seconds, they're going to forget the whole message anyhow. But if they have one of those three bullet points in their head that the public does, um, that relationship, uh, you know, they're going to say, man, that town manager, the city manager, that member of the, the board, whoever it is up there, the mayor, you know, they were great. I'm going to, you know, they became or are going to become my trusted source. And when we're dealing with large scale incidents, everyone is looking to have a trusted source. If you walk up there, you have your few bullet points and you end on compassion. You are brief, you are brilliant, and you are gone. They will come back to you the next time you get up because you're going to schedule another briefing and say well, there will be another update in X period of time. Man, I'm going to tune in because I trust them. Speaking of that, can you give some general guidance? I know every incident's different. We always have that, whether that's true or not. 
the uh, general guidance on frequency of talking to the media. What is their expectation? Um, and when something big happens, is it every 15 minutes? Is it every hour? Is it, you know, is it every ops period? What is the the level of expectation in terms of, again, general guidance that you can provide somebody who is looking to get in front of the media? So it, it, you nailed it. It is obviously situational dependent, but without using that as my cop out, um, <laughs> uh, the ops period works really great. Those 12 hour periods or, 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 you know, whenever you can get out there, um, to to you know the initial briefing and say hey we'll be back in a few hours four five six the reality of it is though if this is a large scale incident and things are transpiring on a an hourly basis that is the frequency that you need to go back in front of the camera if you are doing hour uh, you know every hour on the hour press briefs and the third hour in you're saying the exact same thing perhaps you could expand that a little further and say, okay, we'll be back in a few hours, a couple of hours, something like that. But if mm. every hour on the hour, you have new updated information, um, it goes back to that trust piece. People want to hear it and people will continue to tune in to listen. Fantastic. You are brief, brilliant. And now you're going to be gone. Hang up. No, <laughs> uh, if you like this podcast, if you like this episode, you like what Prescott said, <laughs> please tune in every week. Uh, you know, we love uh, having audience members tell us what they want to hear about. So if you've gotten something out of this podcast episode, please, please, please let us know in the comments on all social media channels. We're really big on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, not really Twitter, but we try it, whatever. Whatever your, your form of communication is, let us know. Let us know the things that you've learned. If you've gotten from the media and it has gone good, bad, or ugly, let us know. And maybe we can give you some tips across the field. And uh, with that being said, give us that five-star rating and subscribe if you haven't yet. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye.